I'm really, I'm really interested in what God wants to do in our lives as a moment of return today, a moment of coming home to a place where God reminds us how beautiful his works are in our life. How many have had God do a miracle for you in your life? There's some here. How many have looked back at that miracle when you needed to reignite the fire in your life? Amen. That's what we want to do today. We want to talk about reigniting the fire. You can stay seated while we read the word. Thank you, Sarah, for honoring the word of God. But um, it's going to be a quick verse today. In Zechariah 14 and 7, it says, But it shall be one day which shall be known to the Lord, not day nor night, but it shall come to pass that at evening time it shall be light. At evening time it shall be light. I want to preach to you for a little while. I'm not going to preach long because we had baby dedication and everything. But um, I'm going to do what the Lord told me to do. Amen? With this word, I believe that God wants to remind us that we need to come home and today is the day to re establish and recommit ourselves to the Lord. Amen. In every way. And I just want to preach a little message that maybe your mom told you. I want you to uh, turn and tell somebody my title. Just turn to, the na- to your neighbor and tell them, be home before dark. Be home before dark. How many had your mom tell you that when you were young? Be home before dark. All right. Thank you, Lord, for your word. We ask you to bless it in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. I would tell you to be seated, but you're not standing. So, <laughs> I, um, I had a different upbringing than most. I love the childhood that I had, but in the summertime in Alaska, the sun doesn't go down until about 1231 in the morning. So my, I don't remember a time when my mother ever turned to me and said, be home before dark. Because <laughs> I would have been like, yes, 1 a.m. curfew. Let's do this. So she never, I, that I know of, ever went, be home before dark. But how many had that statement given to you by your mother as a way to keep you from being out in the dark? But they might have said it different ways, be home before dark. Be home when the streetlights turn on. Anybody? Anybody that? Okay. All right. Well, so let me help you out with that one because I have an illustration for you. There you go. Need to be home before the streetlights turn on. <laughs> that took a lot of work just to be able to turn that on. So the lackluster appreciation is... Oh, thank you. Thank you. The nice applause is nice. Thank you. All that work and just to turn that on. But this is a, an old lamp. This is typically the kind of lamp that you would see in early colonial days where there's four panes of glass built by Benjamin Franklin. His design, he was the postmaster in Philadelphia. And whenever they decided that it was safer to have light in the street, they were wanting to do something about that. And he came up with the idea of a four glass top. And the reason for that was because they put candles inside the light. And the candle itself would burn for a certain amount of time and then burn down and go out. But that was typically all the light you needed for those that were coming home after dark. They only needed a certain space of time to get home where the streets were lit. And it was the first idea of lighting the streets. It was the first idea of using 
a candle. And so many have looked at the different ideas that came through time. Benjamin Franklin, of course, the first one that used the candle in Philadelphia as the birthplace of street lighting in the U.S. But when my mother, if she would have told me, come home when the street lights turn on, it would have been very late. But I never even worried about, you don't think about street lights. You don't think about what's lighting the way. You just know if you drive through the country, it's very dark. Anybody driven through the country? And you realize how dark it is. If you live in the city, there's street lights everywhere. You don't even think about the fact that someone's paying for those lights, that there's electricity being run to them. But those actually weren't the original ones. The original ones were the four-pane unit like this one that I've chosen to show you here because... Benjamin Franklin wanted the ability that if one of these panes got broken, that they could replace just that pane. And possibly, depending on the direction of the wind, the candle wouldn't even be blown out if one was broken. And I want to just take off of that illustration today in my task to preach to you and tell you that there is still a light in the streets, amen? That there is it's still a light, if I could use it as an illustration or an analogy, there still is a light from the Word of God. There still is a light in the church, the people of God, amen? And that, that light is not just for here, when we meet here, but that light is supposed to be in the streets, amen? That light is supposed to go out from this place. Yes, we come. Yes, we're encouraged. Yes, we worship together. Yes, we enjoy the fellowship. And oh boy, do I really enjoy the fellowship today after three weeks of having no fellowship with each one of you and missing you so much. But I want you to know that the light is best served when it's in the dark night. Amen. And the darker the night, the brighter the light. And I'm so thankful that Jesus came as the light of the world and that as the light of the world, he gave us his light through the power of the Holy Ghost shed in our hearts, amen. Not only the love of God shed in our hearts, but the light of God living inside of us. And so no matter how dark the night gets, as long as the church is still the light of this world, we can tell people, please Come home before it gets dark. I know it's a dark night. I know there's been dark days. I know it may have been a dark 2020 for somebody, but there's still a street light burning. There's still a light in the night burning, and we are not supposed to just gather in here and warm ourselves by the light of fellowship and not take it out to a world that's lost in darkness. We must take the light of God to this world, amen? His light was meant to be a street light. His light was meant to light the way for people to come to truth. After the invention of this particular light post, there was, of course, the introduction of gaslighting by William Murdoch in 1792. And the first cities in Britain began to light their streets using gas. And then the United States followed suit shortly thereafter with the introduction of gaslighting in Pelham Street in Newport, Rhode Island in 1803. Did you know that streetlights are that old? <laughs> Boy, this is a riveting sermon for some of you. Streetlights, well, that's, that's one thing. I'm focusing on being home before dark. And then the 19th century, of course, gaslighting increased. Some places in the United States still light their streets with gas lanterns, with gaslighting. And so we find that Thomas Edison came on the scene, the pioneer of electric use, and the light bulb was developed, and it was used as a street light 
as well. And then they began to use multiple lights, even setting them up on courthouses to flood the streets with lights. And I wonder if maybe today the darkness of night is because people aren't going out into the light, into the night with their light. I wonder today if there are some people that are doing what the scripture tells us in Matthew that in, in John 8, that Jesus is the light of the world, or Matthew 3 in the Beatitudes, where it says that we are supposed to be salt and light. But also in another place in Scripture, it talks about us. I guess I didn't write down the reference, even though I thought I did, that we cannot being the light of, of Christ, having the light of Christ in us, we cannot put that light in a bushel or, or we cannot contain that light. No matter what we do, if we have the Holy Ghost, people are going to recognize the light that is in us. Have you ever recognized somebody going through something and they're struggling and we know that that light is shed in our hearts, but we also know that it comes through Jesus Christ. For he said, I am the light of the world. Again, Jesus spake to them actually in John 8, Eight in verse 12, Jesus says again, Jesus spake unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. How many want a light for your life? How many want to live in revelation? Of course, we know light means several things in scripture. Everyone say revelation. Light means revelation. There's, that means that when we read the scripture today in Zechariah 4.17, I'm not going to deal with the context of that scripture because it's dealing with, with the people of Israel and that there will be light in the evening time, but it is also a prophecy. Everybody say prophecy. The revelation of that scripture is that it is a prophecy for the end times. Everybody say end times. When I was young, maybe like you, we were scared half to death by people that knew how to preach prophecy like crazy. Anybody ever go home after a preaching about prophecy and not be able to find your family for a minute and you thought the rapture happened? Anybody besides me go running through the house wondering if you missed the rapture? Anybody? Nobody? We were scared. Old, old preachers knew how to pre preach you into fear, man, about the coming of the Lord. You were scared half to death. You wanted to be the light of the world, but you... You thought for sure that somehow they got called home and you didn't. I remember walking into the house one time and there was nobody there, even my little brother, my mother. They weren't planning to go anywhere. I don't know where they were at at the moment and I don't even remember where they were at. But I walked all through the house worried that they had been taken home to be with the Lord. There, weren't, there were plenty of prayer meetings where I had heard sermons and then gone home and just cried to the Lord, Lord, I don't want to be lost in the darkness. Lord, I don't want to be lost in the night. So many times we see that the scripture, whenever it says that men in the last days will call for peace, peace, quickly the Lord's going to come in those times. And they would tell us when they preach those prophecy sermons that you need to be cautious and be, be aware whenever you start hearing men in government talk about peace, peace. And every time there was a peace treaty signed on the West Lawn of the White House, we all got ready for heaven. And every time there was something that happened where Netanyahu was flying in or somebody from Israel was flying in and meeting with an Arab leader, suddenly we were all getting in prayer meetings and we're all 
cranking up the light, and we're all ready to go to heaven. Why? Because we believed what the preacher said when they say, peace, peace, sudden destruction shall come, and sudden destruction can't come until the church is taken out of the earth. Amen? Great tribulation cannot come until the church is taken out of the earth. Read Paul's first and second letter of Thessalonians. You will understand better what I mean by that when he's talking to Timothy, and he's saying that the church is not reserved for wrath. The church is not reserved for that. God is not going to beat up his bride before he comes. We may go through tribulation as Christians, brothers and sisters, what we may think as tribulation, but many people that are Christian have gone through much more tribulation than we have, and they're still shining the light bright. They're still living for the Lord. They're still letting their light shine like a city that's set upon a hill. And I'm wondering today if we don't have an understanding that it's not just going to be peace, peace that they call on. For Paul talks about in Thessalonians, they're going to call for peace and security, or peace and safety. The safety message was not spoken of in the early or the late 80s or early 90s or even in the mid 80s whenever we were having these prayer meetings because they were calling peace, peace. But now we see in scripture that they're calling on peace and safety. It, it is what the scripture says they will call on in the last days. We know we're in the end of the last days. We know these are dark days and more darkness is coming. But that doesn't give you a, a, a depression. That doesn't give you a lack of hope if you are the believing body of Christ. That means that the darker the night, the brighter the light and that if we stay lit for the Lord, that we are going to see revival because people are going to be drawn to the light that is in us. That light is Jesus Christ. There is a revival coming in dark days. There is hope still in the earth. There is still a light in the lantern, but we've got to know that there are people that want to come home to God, but they cannot come home if it is dark and there is no light. We've got to be the light. Please, brothers and sisters, anybody listening, come home before dark. Come home before there's no longer a candle burning in the lantern in the street. Come home before there's no longer a church in the earth to be a street light for those that want to be saved. Come home while it is still light. Come home while there's still light in the lantern. I'm wondering if maybe we have put our thoughts and hopes in a place that is not our true home. Our home is heaven, brothers and sisters. Is your home heaven? Is your home a place prepared for you? Those builders and foundation is God. Are, are you having moments where you want to go home more than anything else, where, where the bride begins to say, come, Lord, quickly or swiftly? Same word is used that in that passage of scripture, meaning swiftly or speedily, that it says he does a quick work. And I'm wondering maybe if we don't understand that there are people that still need to come back to the Lord and that we are supposed to be the salt and the light. Salt is for preservation. In early times in the scriptures, they used salt in their climate to preserve meat in those days, but they also use salt as a flavoring. I put salt on my drive yesterday to melt ice so the ladies could come over. And scripture says when you're not a pre preservation agent and when you're not a flavor agent, you become nothing more than something to scatter on the driveway to remove ice. You become something that can be tossed out and trodden underfoot. 
And that is not the salt that the scripture says we are to be. We are supposed to be a preservation of the light of God. We're supposed to be a preservation of the truth of God. Our lives are supposed to echo the scriptures, amen? And also our life is supposed to bring flavor. They're supposed to look at our life and say, that's a good life. That's a peaceable life. That's a holy life. That's a righteous life. That's a blessed life. And if you do more complaining than you do uh, lifting up the name of the Lord, then I wonder if we have forgotten that we're supposed to be salt and light. I'm trying to focus on light today because the scripture tells us that we're supposed to be light in a dark place. And so when Matthew 5, 13 through 16 talks about light, it says this starting with salt, but then it goes on to verse 14 and it talks about light. And when you see that on this in the scripture, I can turn to it if they're not able to get it up on, uh, on the scriptures. But if you have your Bibles and you want to go to Matthew chapter number, let me get it for you. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 through 16. You can live in this verse for this week if you want to, and there is so much in it. Matthew chapter number 5, verses 13 through 16. It's a beautiful passage of scripture where Jesus is speaking. I'm having a hard time finding it. Matthew 5. If you have it, say amen. If it's up on the screen, say amen. All right. Matthew 5. I'm going to read it from the screen. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost its savior... Its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? In other words, once salt loses its its ability to preserve and to flavor, it cannot be resalted. And then he says, "It is thence therefore good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men." And then the next verse, verse number fourteen, is the focus for today. It's my title. It's in my title, but it's also about light. Ye are the light of the world. Everyone say that section with me. Ye are the light of the world, a city that cannot be set on a hill. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light, verse 16, this is the important one, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. It's a beautiful thing to let your light shine. It's a privilege to let your light shine. But it's also even more valuable when it gets dark out. And as our world is changing and it is getting darker out and it is getting toward the end times, I want you to know that your light is more valuable and more important than ever before that we need to have a light in the streets, amen? That we need to be people who talk about Jesus and walk Jesus and live Jesus and try our best to be rescuers of those who are caught in dark nights, amen? Those that get caught in the cold and the winter moments of their life and the difficulties and they have not found a way home, but they are caught in dark moments. We can still be a light. There can still be hope, but it won't be there if we don't take this light to the streets. Amen. So the beauty of the story of Friday, February 12th, maybe you heard of it. His name is David Gerke. 
and he drives plow for West Bend Municipal. And he was driving the plow at about four in the morning. He had call, been called out to remove some snow, and as he was driving through the city, he said he sees plenty of deer. Many times he, he has to either watch out for them or, or he sees them on the side of the road. And he looked to the side of the road on the sidewalk, but he didn't see a deer this time. He thought it was at first because it was a boy that was five years old in his little brown onesie walking down the side of the road. Maybe you heard about it in the news. The temperatures were at zero or negative with the wind chill. And this little boy had slipped out of his home. Maddox had found his way out of his home and out into the street. And when he realized it was a little boy, he noticed that there was no reason for that boy to be out there. In fact, it was dangerous for him to be out there because there was no one around him. He was by himself, a five-year-old boy. And his thought was, how did you get out of your home? Where is your home? And I wonder if maybe today we need to reinforce that message to the world that the church is the home. We are the church, but there's, we're supposed to gather here. We're supposed to meet here, and this is our home. And when you find somebody lost in the dark, you're supposed to have a thought in your heart that rises to the top. Where is your home? How did you get separated from a place of safety? How did you get separated from the source of your livelihood and the source of your life in your warmth. Brothers and sisters, we were born from him and are meant for him. Amen. We were sourced from God. That's why when he spoke, he spoke things into existence. And when he spoke man into existence, he said, let us make man in our own likeness. Let us make man in our image, in our own likeness, because he spoke to himself, which was the source in which man was supposed to come from. If you ever get lost in life, if you ever find yourself in a dark night, it's because you have lost your home. You've lost your source. Your source is Jesus Christ. Your source is God Almighty. And you can't breathe spiritually. You can't live happy. You can't be fulfilled without God Almighty in your life. You were meant to have a home. And I'm calling every sinner, every saint, home to God today. There's still a light in the evening time. There's still a way home. There's still a hope in the hearts of men because we know our source is in God. And when you find somebody in the dark, the first thing that should come to mind is, I can be a light for them. And they have a home somewhere. They were meant to find Jesus Christ. Because he came to seek and save that which was lost. And someone said, Amen. Amen. So he knew the boy had a home. So he turned his plow around as fast as he could. And he pulled off to the side and little Maddox came wandering up, didn't have any shoes on, had no jacket, just a brown onesie with his feet in these wet, soggy onesie feet. <laughs> I don't know what else to call them. Onesie feet. <laughs> so they are. And he think that maybe, yes, he thought that maybe I'd like to get a full-body adult onesie, just zip myself in and go to sleep. Pajama moment. That made it into my sermon, but that's okay. We'll edit it out. Pastor wants a big onesie. <laughs> I know they sell them. I know they sell them. Uh, I'm just not going to buy one because I, I will resist that laziness in Jesus' name. <laughs> and we're going to... 
He picked him up, and he thought that maybe he was drawn to him because he was like he liked the big snowplow. But he he took him to the local police station and put him into the arms of a police officer in safety. And they found his home. And his mom, Brittany, has now put in safety measures to keep him from wandering out of the home. And they've set up a moment where he can come and ride along with David Gurkey, who has now been given an award for his efforts that night of saving this little boy's life. And when they asked him, what did you do? He said, I don't know. I just knew he wasn't supposed to be there. And I knew that I had to get him to safety. I wonder if maybe we could have that same approach as the people of God and the church of the living God, that when we see people in darkness, we don't have to ask them, how did you get there or, or, or what's going on in your life? But we simply reach out to them, take them by the hand and say, this is not where you belong. Let me help you get to safety in Christ Jesus. Let me help you get to a place of recovery. Let me help you get to a hope in the Lord. I will be a light for you because somebody was a light for me at one point. I'm willing to give back and find the way home. So they began to light up streets all over the United States and eventually made it to New York, and they call it the Great White Way, Broadway, because of all, not only the street lights, but the signs that ran down the street. And we understand that they used that, they used that to, to, to illustrate the power of light in the dark night. But I wonder if there's not an even greater power in the dark night, and that is the power of the Holy Ghost in a believer, someone who doesn't have to have it all put together. We don't have to be perfect. We don't have to be all right all the time, but we have grace, and where grace abounds, sin, where, where, grace, where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. I know that, and I'm wondering if maybe we can walk in grace and truth to people. And we're going to be starting a series called So basic here in March, just so basic. And I was telling Brother Reese about it, and we're going to have a in that series, we're going to have a moment where we talk about the power of change, that you have to have grace and truth to change. You can't just have truth because truth condemns the sinner, but you have to have grace from God and truth. And when Jesus came, he came full of grace and truth. He's the only God who could ever find you in your dark moments and not condemn you there. He's the God who found you and was full of grace and wrapped his arms around you and like David took you to a place of safety so that you could be restored again. And so we wonder and we sometimes drift into dark moments. We sometimes have a heart that steers away from God accidentally or otherwise. But while we are away from God, there is still a brother or sister who will call you on the phone. When was the last time, brothers or sisters, you reached out to somebody? Just reaching out to my father yesterday, I was like, are you okay? What's going on? He's got no water and they've got no electricity. Electricity came back on yesterday because he's in Texas and they're having such trouble. Pray for Texas. If you've got friends in Texas, be a streetlight. Reach out to them right now. When you see trouble or trauma or difficulty in a brother or sister's life, don't just put a sad emoji on a Facebook post, but call them. Reach out to them. Be a streetlight to them. Do what you can do to help them out of their dark moments. When someone loses a loved one, be there for them. Don't just look and say, oh, I'm glad that they're making it through it. I've been through that too, but call them. Take some food to them if you can. I know these are pandemic times. They say, but do something. You can find a way to be the light in a dark day for them. Somehow change their life through the light that's been given to your life. 
And that's what I'm praying today. Not only that, but those that have drifted. I'm praying now is the day of salvation. Now is the turnaround moment. Now is the time. We're not given tomorrow. We're not given the next day. I remember as a boy, I was so gripped and so convicted to not have shared as much as I could. I thought I was sharing. I didn't know how to do it. I'll be honest. I didn't know how to win a soul. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't convince nobody of nothing. I didn't know how to tell them about Jesus in a proper way or, or, or watch them and encourage their walk and encourage their taste for the Lord and, and, and help them along with prayer and, and teach them how to grow in the Lord and in the Word of God to where they become hungry even more for God. I didn't know how to do all that. I didn't know how to be a good light, Brother Reese, at that time. And I remember Jens Patton was a basketball player. He was on, no, he was the, the in crowd. He was the cool kid. And he was on the varsity team. And, and, and I played basketball fairly decently. I, I liked to shoot outside because I didn't like throwing elbows inside. And I, I was playing some basketball with him. And I, and, and I was playing really good that day. And, and he said, man, I, I wouldn't want to go against you one-on-one. A, a -on -one. You're, you're pretty good. And I, it made me feel good. And we started this friendship. And, and he lived down the road from me a ways. And we would take the same bus. And I began to share with him Christian music. And he said he liked that, and I, and I was doing what I thought I could do. I was doing what I thought I could be, and, 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 and that summer came, and we all went our separate ways for the summer, and there was something called working up on the North Slope. The North Slope was the, some of the oil rigs and things that were up, up in the northern part of Alaska, and he went up there to work, and one afternoon they were they were getting they were they were getting all excited, and they were doing whatever guys do. I think there was some alcohol involved. I don't really know, but I remember the story came back as we got back to school that he was jumping a four wheeler, and somehow it turned over and it crushed his chest, and he went on into eternity. And I remember being so gripped by that. I remember being so gripped by the fact that I, I was trying to be the light. I was doing my best, and I remember having to go to prayer to the Lord because I felt guilty that I didn't do more. And I remember the Lord telling me and encouraging me that if you will just be a light, I will make it effective. Maybe you didn't reach him, but if you will commit this day, if you commit right here to this moment and say, I will do everything I can to save anyone that comes in my reach, to, to help anyone that comes in in my sphere, in my circle of influence. If I've run into anybody that has trouble or trauma, I I will do everything I can to keep a light in the streets for them in the dark moments of their life. And from that moment on, I made a commitment. And today, even today, I find myself bumping into people and helping strangers that I don't know that I ever would have helped had it not been for that change in that moment. And I'm wondering if there's somebody who knows somebody today that needs to turn around, somebody who's fallen out of their walk with God. Somebody hear me today. Don't, don't, don't give up on this sermon right now because what, what I'm getting to right now is a prodigal coming home, is a loved one that's walked away from God coming home. Your light is important. Your light does matter. You're willing, if you're willing and able, God can use you in a very special way. This is not time to give up on anybody. This is time to turn the light up. This is time to be the one who says, I don't don't care what anybody else says there is a way to walk in and I'm going to walk in and I'm going to walk with the Lord and I want to share with you the beauty of
of knowing the peace of God that even though others are distressed, we are not in distress, brothers and sisters. We are not perplexed, for we have a hope in heaven. And I preach light today. I preach light over you. I preach light over somebody. I preach light over someone online. And I'm asking, why not today? Why not ask the Lord to help you today to come home before it's too dark? The Saxon king who pushed out the rebellion that was in his kingdom put a candle in the window and said, if you will surrender and return home before the candle goes out, I will forgive you. I will let you repent and give you your freedom. But if you come home after the candle goes out, you will not have the mercy. And I wonder if while the light, the church, is still in the earth, if we can't preach the same message, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. John the Baptist knew it. All the disciples knew it. John the Revelator knew it. He said, I was in, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day in Patmos. And he said, I turned to being turned. I saw one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment, down to his foot, girt about the paths with a golden girdle, his head and his hair white like wool, white as snow. His feet were as fine brass, as, as, as if they burned in the furnace. And his voice was as the sound of many waters. And he stood in the candlesticks. He was the light still there standing. He was the light for John the Revelator, who was exiled on an island as a criminal. Jesus was still his light. And if we want to see the prisoners of this world and the prisoners of drugs and the prisoners of this life that have been contained to depression and hopeless situations. We have to do what Jesus did for John the Revelator and still be the light burning the candle, still be the ones who are willing to stand there and say, I know the way home. I can help you get there. And I'm praying that somebody will return home today. You have a home. And so little Maddox and his mother, Chris, and his, his mother, Brittany, met Dave. And she thanked him profusely. Because he could have gone about his job. He could have thought it was a deer and looked away. But he looked closely enough in the dark night to see someone who needed to be saved. I wonder today if you can understand what I'm preaching is... I'm looking close enough at you and I'm looking close enough at this world that I see someone who needs to be saved. I see a wife that needs to be saved, a husband that needs to be saved. I see a cousin, a niece, a nephew that needs to be saved. I see people who love the Lord but don't have full truth needing to be saved. I see people who have given their life to the Lord and believed on Jesus Christ but haven't obeyed the gospel and been baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. There are people that need more light in their life and we can take it to them and that is the message I'm preaching tonight. Come home before dark, brothers and sisters. Bring them home before dark, brothers and sisters. Look carefully into the dark night and find them and bring them home. Be a light to somebody today. Be a light to somebody tomorrow on your job. Even when you have ups, up days and down days, happy and sad days, still be a light. I pray it over these people in Jesus' name. I pray it over myself and my family. Let those in dark come home, Jesus. Let those in the night find the light that you have put in us, Lord. Would you stand with me? 
I don't know if this sermon resonates with you or not, but I pray there's somebody that you thought of while I was preaching who's struggling right now that you can call, that you're literally going to walk out to your car and pick up your phone and you're going to call them and invite them to a service. Or you're going to reach over and pray for somebody in just a minute and you're going to call them into more light. You're going to call them out of darkness into his marvelous light. How do we do that? We do that by being saved. We do that by repenting of our sins. And so right now I want to ask you to be a better light in a dark world. Not just a light in here, but a light out there. And the way we're going to do that is we're going to ask the Lord to forgive us so we can be a better light. In scripture, it says that the light was never supposed to go out in the tabernacle. And I'm praying right now that if there's a light that's gone out in your life, that it's reignited through repentance. Would you pray with me right now? Lord, please Forgive my sins. Forgive my life. Forgive anything that stands against you. Right now, ask the Lord to forgive you of anything that comes to your mind. Or just lump it all together in one big ask to the Lord. Lord, forgive me. I want to walk in the light as you are in the light. And I know you promised that there shall be light in evening time. And so I thank you, Lord, that even though it's dark in my life right now, I thank you for the light that's available to me, that even in evening time, even in the last days, even in the last moments of life, you can be a light that steps in, and I thank you for it. And I ask you to forgive me my sins in Jesus' name. Hopefully someone prayed that prayer. And now we want to just ask the Lord to move on our lives. Would you open yourself up to a moment of worship? And would you open yourself up to a moment of just being in God's presence? I'm going to open this altar right now. And if you come, God can do something. I'm praying from this message that somebody moves toward God, that somebody moves toward the light, that somebody schedules a baptism today, that someone says, I want to be in the name. I want the name put on my life. I want to be baptized in the name of Jesus, as the scripture says. I want more light in my life. I'm praying that somebody gets filled with God's presence, that they open their heart to God. And right now, as we pray and as we seek the Lord, that he renews you or he refills you or he fills you with his presence in the name of Jesus. Would you lift your hands all over this room? If you feel welcome at the altar, you can come. You are welcome anywhere here. And they're going to begin to sing a song, and as they do, I want the Holy Ghost to just begin to light this place up, just to light this place up as we make commitments to the Lord that we're going to go after our loved ones, we're going to go after friends, we're going to go after, yes, I know it may not seem like a popular message to a culture that we would bring them to the house of God, but it is popular in Christ Jesus because he's the one that died for them. Popular culture didn't die for them, but Jesus did, and he said there can be a light in a dark world. Today is the day. Now is the time. Today is the day of salvation. Lift your hands to the Lord as we sing this song, and let's worship together. Everyone worshiping. Everyone worshiping together. Everyone worshiping together. Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin. Come on, put somebody in your mind. Restore them, Lord. Renew them. Bring them back to the light of the world. Because this world is calling on peace and safety. 
We know that the end is near, that you are coming, Lord, that we have an urgency in our spirit, that the light needs to be brightest in the darkest night. Help us to be brighter than we've ever been before, Lord. Help us to change the future of somebody and change by that future their eternity. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, somebody pray right now. We're asking right now for a time of prayer. We're asking for us to go to the Lord and soul search ourselves so that we can be greater light in a dark world. Don't let me be inconvenienced by a soul that's lost, Jesus. Don't let me be so burdened with schedule that I forget that there's eternity to worry about. Don't let me be so occupied, Lord Jesus, that I don't do what you called us to do. And that is to be a light in a dark world. Oh, come to the altar, the Father's arms. Take a moment and pray. If you need to kneel and pray, do that. But right now, take a moment with the Lord. In Jesus' name, let us be a light in dark and wintry streets. Let us be a light in hopeless moments of someone's life. Let us be a light to a dark world, Jesus. I pray this in Jesus' name. Jesus is calling. 